Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pot Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Booth. This is episode 261. I'm joined on a, I don't know, I don't want to say gloomy, but a little bit gloomy of a Tuesday morning. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Stacy, that is at Stacy Patton 89, who has very nicely trimmed his beard recently. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize it had been uh, that long since we, uh, was it in the last week? It was last week, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like in the, in the face breathe a little bit. Yeah, getting the baby face out there. Uh, all right, but before we continue, we're going to talk about a really awesome Knicks game that they totally won by 17 points. Um, you know, they lost to the Bucks, and it sucked ass. We're going to talk about that. But before we get started, uh, I can make a few announcements. The, the first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. You can follow that on Instagram at the Strick.land. Please give us a follow. We're putting up all kinds of new content on there. We also have a YouTube where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, please hit like and then hit the subscribe button to our channel. We're trying to get to a thousand. If we can get there, it would be a massive help. So if you are watching on YouTube and you have not subscribed, please do so. Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of tiers. There's a six dollar tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to Strickland mailbag that comes out every other week that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, along with Dallas Amico, who is back from fighting the good fight against the evil attempted powers that be. Uh, check that out. We also have the Strickland Discord, where the conversation about the Knicks never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier. That gets you access to... Strickland and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers, a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. There's come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. Um, and before we get started, just want to let people know Giving a little shout-out, personal shout-out to a friend of mine. He's a rapper based out of Gainesville, Florida. Pharaoh. Uh, stands for Fuck All Regular Options. He just dropped his third studio project, Phantasma. That is spelled P-H-A-N-T-A-S-M-A. Check that out. It's on Spotify. It's Apple Music, SoundCloud, all that shit. Uh, give him a follow on Instagram or on Twitter. On Instagram, is he better than Pharaoh Munch? Nobody is better than Pharaoh much. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram at Pharaoh, F-A-R-O, or on Twitter at Pharaoh Naldo, F-A-R-O-N-A-L-D-O. Uh, check that out. Uh, he is a major Knicks fan, uh, but he's also a rapper. So, all right. Let's talk about this wonderful, great, fantastic game that I attended. Um, the Knicks lost 111-107 to the Bucks, and I'm just going to get this out of the way. There are a lot of fucking people that are talking about, like, oh, it's so nice. The Knicks were competitive. It was a hard-fought game. Like, I'm sorry. Like, can we 
like it's time to raise the standards. It's time to expect more. This team is too talented. You don't get up in games like this consistently if you're not talented. This is not like some fluke one-off thing where they randomly got up on the Bucks by 17 points. It's just not. Like they've done this multiple times going back to last season and they keep blowing these leads. At what point are we allowed to just be like no, this is not no, this is a bad loss. Cuz that 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 loss to me was an awful loss. I know the Knicks didn't have RJ Barrett. Guess what? The Bucks didn't have Chris Middleton. So I don't want to hear it. I don't I don't want to fucking hear anything of oh, well the Knicks did okay. They were missing one of their top 3 players. Probably their second best player, arguably their second best player. If worst case their third best player. Okay? So I don't want to hear it. You did a great job of restricting Giannis Antetokounmpo. You outshot them from the field in terms of field goal attempts. You forced them into turnovers. You cannot lose that game. And the fact of the matter is, when the Knicks get up, when they give up, they lose control of these games as soon as they give up a run. They lack composure. They lack a game plan to slow down opponents. And I think that falls on players, and I think that falls on the coach. So... I am sick and tired of giving these guys moral victory laps. Like, no, you lost. You should win that game. You're up 17, 70 to 53. You were up 16 with about, well, let me just check here. You're up 16, 76 to 60 with one, with 225 left in the second quarter, or third quarter, sorry. By the end of the third quarter, it is a, 15 point game or a five point game 78 73 you can't have that that can't happen and and you've got brunson and randall on the floor at that time so you've got two of your starters on the floor at that time okay you a lead goes from 16 to 5 isaiah harnstein i have no idea what the hell that guy was doing during that stretch one of the worst stretches you'll see from any individual player this season um and then on top of it to start the fourth okay like, Tibbs has played, he, he, he constantly does this. And Frank Barrett, at Frank Barrett on Twitter, Jeff, our friend Jeff, he's pointed this out forever, and it's a true thing, is like, especially with RJ out right now, you can't play, you can't tether Brunson and Randall's minutes together to the extent that Tibbs has done it. Because what, like, at the start of the fourth quarter, you look at this, like, what Budenholzer has done, and he, he struggled with this for a long time, and he actually only recently, like, I think, like, two, three years ago, the year they won the championship, really started staggering better. But, like, throughout the entire game, if you watch it, he made sure to have two of Giannis, Holiday, or um, or Brooke on the floor at all times. So at the end of the third, you've got Giannis and you have uh, Brooke, I believe. Or, sorry, uh, Holiday on the floor. To start the fourth, he's got, uh, he's got Drew and he's got Brooke out there. And the Knicks have quick... They've got Mitch. They have Miles McBride. They have Evan Fournier. Um, and they had Obi Toppin. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I just, if you're going to ride these guys the minutes he's riding them, the fact that you can't have two, like, to me, you've got to have two of Brunson, Randall, Quick out there with RJ gone. And at minimum, you need to make sure one of Brunson or Randall are on the floor at all times. And it really shouldn't be hard considering considering this. Um, check these. The, the minutes last night, Julius Randle, 39-47. Quickly, 
Brunson, where is he at? Uh, Brunson, 38-39. If you can't manage to have at one of Randall or Brunson on the floor at all times of those minutes and two of those three at all times, I, I just don't understand that. Like, I don't. And I'm not – I don't want to do the whole – like, I'm not doing the whole we're going to debate Tibbs' future thing because we're not. Like, there's just no point to it. He's going to be the coach. The rest of the year, it is what it is. This is not a hard ask. If he can't do that, then I if you and if you can't expect him to do that, then your standards are too low. And if you're watching that game last night and you come away from it thinking, well, they fought hard and they lost the game and it sucked, I'm sorry, your standards are too low. You should win that basketball game. You're up 17 midway through the third. You're up 16 with two minutes left in the fucking period. You go into the fourth only up five. That's inexcusable, and that's on the players, and that's on the coach, and that's on all of them. It's Absolute dog shit. That was a terrible loss. There should be no more victories from that. You shouldn't feel terrible about this team, but you should be pissed off. And anybody that's sitting here and it's today trying to sell you on fucking, oh, everything is great, and, you know, no, I'm sorry. Like, this team is too talented, and it's too good to lose games like this. You're on mute, I think. You said you said most of it. Um, you know, can't really add too much to that. Um, and it's just um, it's some inexplicable decisions. Um, you know, um, so I, I think that. Oh, they, sorry. I just want to say that the forty thing in the fourth quarter is that is the one that is. There's actually no excuse for that. He played seven and a half minutes in the fourth quarter. That is a joke. That is a fucking joke. That guy's not even in the rotation when we're healthy. How the fuck is he getting seven and a half minutes in the fourth quarter? Get the fuck out of my fucking face with that. That was atrocious. I cannot believe I watched that. Watching that in the stadium, the three, like, we were sitting next to these two guys the entire game who were basically just, like, saying what was in my brain. Like, we were watching in real time. We're like, how is he still in the game? How is he still in the game? And he made that atrocious rotation, that which, like, look, I, I have major issues with schematic, defensive choices that are made during these games and, and I think there there's a reason why we consistently blow these leads in very similar fashion but that wrote even if you're playing to the scheme that rotation he made towards Giannis off of uh, yeah, he's looking Rupert. right at him it's from the opposite corner um there was I, I think he expected quickly to split the diff it was an impossible ask quickly was at the top of the arc there was no way he was gonna take and it was uh what was it drew and Allen or something like it yeah, was, I don't, I, it was definitely one of their white guys. Yeah, so it was two high level shooters. Um, there's no reason, like it's very difficult for me to blame Tibbs for that. That's that rotation seems so, like, but, a, but like it's it's not on Tibbs that that rotation sucks, but it is on Tibbs that why is Fournier even in the game? That was with like five thirty left in the game. Yeah, that was Grimes and and Grimes. So Grimes last night played thirty three thirty one. Okay. He's played Grimes like 78 minutes before. Okay, I'm sorry. Like, you cannot randomly decide that, oh, tonight is the night I'm going to make sure Grimes only plays X or amount. Or Deuce of would have been a better option than Fournier, right? I mean, Deuce has been hitting his threes of late. Um, I think Fournier hit a couple of big shots. He hit Burns one was, shot. He was terrible. He was fucking yeah, he garbage. One Everything shot, he did was then, terrible. And then, uh, look, I don't want to pick on Julius, um, but there was one position. Like, he hit the three. And then Julius had quickly on a design play, quickly was hot all night, looks him off, runs another DHO with Fournier, who forces up a three and predictably misses. 
Um, you know, it's shit like that. That's very like that's not the team. I'm like I I don't want to rip Fournier too much because I thought he made some some key plays against Toronto. I respect that he's been a professional about this, but yeah. um, but what, you got to take him on the floor. He shouldn't have been on the floor. He, he, he shouldn't have been on the floor at that point. No. Yeah, like he he had a sub. I'm gonna pull it up right now. He took off uh, Deuce and and Obi. Right. Uh, hold on. He takes out. So this is about with. Um, let's see. He takes out Deuce to to. Okay, he takes out. He brings in Brunson back for Deuce at nine twenty six. Okay. The lead is already blown by then. It's 82-81 bucks. By the way, when Ingles made that three to, to make it 82-81, I was I knew they were gonna lose that game. Like the entire stadium yeah. knew they were gonna lose that game. You could feel it in the stadium. Um it was yeah, that sucked. Anyway, um okay, so Brunson comes back in then. He still has Fournier in. Okay, he brings he takes Toppin out at seven forty one. That's eighty so it's eighty five eighty four at that point. You're you're right there, okay? He leaves Fournier in for three more minutes of game time. Fournier doesn't come out until 40 team left in the in the fourth quarter. So he played seven minutes and 42 seconds of the fourth quarter with Evan Fournier on the floor when he had multiple opportunities and should have taken multiple opportunities to get Grimes back in. And I know that Drew, you know, gained Grimes multiple times He's on the stretch. Like one, some of the, those shots, some of those shots, like two of them especially, were just awesome shots. You're not going to be able to do much against that. But that's, again, this is, this, this totally misses the point where it's like, you're, as a coach, all you can control are the mark, like, you can only control so much. So when you lose control of the margins that you have direct say over, that is so frustrating to me. And for Evan Fournier to have played seven minutes and 42 seconds when he's out of the fucking rotation last night in the fourth quarter, it's, it's a total... It's a total failure, and there's no explanation for it. There's no justification for it. Is that why we lost the game? No. It, there's no singular reason why you lost the game. But you, it was a, it, you lost by four points. Four-point game. Those tight margins cost you. They cost you huge. They cost you so much, and they cost you wins. And this team is not in position to lose. Not in this conference. Not in this league this year. You're not in position. To, if you want to be a playoff team, you can't lose games because of a total failure to understand. Like, it's not even there a was, failure. There was a, stat, there was a stat, I think, Nick's Muse put this up. So in the last 11 games, the Knicks are 5-6 and six with a plus 53-point differential. Um, I mean, that's just that's giving away free money, you know? It's Look, I, I'm, I'm trying so hard not to do the Tibbs thing. But it's this is, look, ultimately... I think this team will at least make the play-in. Um, they'll maybe make the playoffs. We'll see how that goes. They should be, as far as I'm concerned, this team should be in the six-seed slot, and they should have they should be leading that by like two or three games. They should be up. And the 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 reality of the situation is this. And you know, there are people that will disagree with this. I don't give a fuck if you disagree with this because you can go fuck yourself. As far as I'm concerned. There are people that downplayed the talent on this roster last year. Oh, you guys overrate these guys. You know, quickly is just a Frank, and Grimes is a nice 3 and D guy, and RJ is just, you know, the volume scorer. And, oh, you, you guys just overrate the talent on this team. And, you know, we lost all these close games, and we blew all these leads last year because we didn't have a closer. We didn't have a point guard. 
Well, guess what? He got a point guard. And that point guard... Who just outplayed Drew Holiday by yeah. a healthy margin. Yeah. And, and, and he's a point guard who happens to be shooting 65... He's has 65 true shooting in the clutch this year. Okay? So he's got a closer, and he's got a point guard. Why are you still losing games in the same fashion? And on top of that, I want to throw this out there because I am going to take this victory lap. I had... How many people did I have in my mentions and in your mentions? I'm sure you had these people. Well, Quickly's on off is just good because he plays against the bench. Well, <laughs> how do you know if is Quickly actually playing well against the starters? Is he playing well against the starters now? I don't know. You tell me. Did you watch the game last night? Have you watched him as a starter? Like, the, the that are, was the most, and especially since his best lineups were with Randall and RJ. These um, are good players. These are good players, and. I don't care. I'm not. I don't. Last year's over. It is over. It's whatever. But they were good players last year when people were making excuses for why decisions were made. Okay, they're good players now, and they're better players now. And if your standard for this team is just well, if they're 500, that's fine. And if they, you know, just like Tibbs, Tibbs to his credit has has made the right decisions with the rotation. Like in terms of, well, and just in general, I mean, Fournier is playing as a consequence of RJ being out. Wait, I'm not killing him for playing Fournier. I'm killing for how much he played in the fourth quarter. But he's made the right decisions with generally who are the nine guys in the rotation. But because of that, the standard should be higher because those nine guys are are good, man. And not just if you go by if you go by Pythagorean expectation, which I know a lot of people have issues with. But here's and Frank Barrett made this point. My Pythag expectation, the Knicks are 24 and 17 this year. That's a 48 win pace if they stuck to that, right? Now you can say, well, they're only two games off that pace after finishing five games off last year. And, um, and I actually, I, I should reach out to Jeff afterwards because I'm curious if how much this holds true from Chicago and Minnesota, but he said that Tibbs teams always underperforming, underperforming. And we saw that they significantly underperformed it last year. And the excuse was that there was no closer. As you mentioned, that's no longer the case. No true point guard either. But that's that's the difference between being comfortably in the playoffs and being a play-in team. Uh, and then that's before we even get to the fact that if we do get into the playoffs, here's the thing, right? A lot of these teams, they have some kind of an ace up their sleeve, right? Because playoff matchups are, they're decided on the margins, right? So the, the ace is up the sleeve that Nate McMillan had against the Knicks doubling Randall the way he threw different defenders at him, uh, hiding Trey Young on Reggie Bullock, right? Uh, do we have those kind of adjustments? Because we're going to need them. I think we could give Philly, Philly a series, right? If, you, if you're willing to say, let's go small sometimes, right? Let's try to get up and down, whatever it is. Um, and that's the thing. We talk about trades. We talked about Jared Vanderbilt or Jalen McDaniels. If we get those guys, if he's not going to use them creatively, then, then you say, well, they just – then, okay, so – are you saying that if you you can only win if you have LeBron, Steph Curry, and Giannis on the same team? That doesn't make you a great coach, then. Um, also, like, th- so this is this is part. Brunson's playing like a star, and Randall's, Randall's playing. playing like a star. Like, I, I, I and Mitch is playing like an all NBA level defender. Um, Grimes is a very good two guard. You don't have a weak spot in that starting lineup. You have a very good back. You don't have a weak spot even without RJ. Like, I I would say this. I actually thought this this was something I noticed yesterday was when we last played Milwaukee at the Garden, we got absolutely roasted on all these DHOs they were running with Grayson Allen. They were attacking RJ. RJ struggles getting over those DHO screens. 
Um, they didn't have any success with that yesterday because quickly is just better at it. Yeah. And so this is not this is not to say like I don't we can maybe talk about it if you want, but like it's not I to say oh <laughs> yeah. I don't really have an interest in talking about whether quickly should start over RJ and whatever because I don't think that's like really. Uh, well, I mean, I think Rose being out of the rotation kind of settles that because you need a, right. a ball handler with the second unit. So well, it's also like we can just play all of these guys a lot of minutes. It's fine. Yeah, it's and I think that is what's going to happen. By the right. way, people are like, well, when RJ comes back, is quickly going back to twenty three. If he like quickly played forty three minutes last night, he's played forty plus consistently. Um, like he's that's probably going to get thirty the, minutes. He's playing RJ's role. That's why he's playing RJ's role, and he's playing the backup point guard role. Um, we'll see. I, I'm I'm not as I'm not as bullish as you are. In this. I I I don't know what I've seen playing from Tibbs. That is he doing that because I do I think I don't think he like he he definitely like thinks quickly is good. He definitely values quickly. But I also don't like we, we, his issues as a coach. A lot, a lot of them are related to, like in a lot of ways, Tibbs reminds me of Woodson in the sense of they're both guys that um, did some of their best coaching when they're undermanned. Yeah, and but uh, but I, I think why I like why I would you know, disagree on that. He's obviously he's... succeeding now. Um, you know, I mean. We've been able to overcome, let's just say, being a little bit shorthanded. But he struggles at times when he does have a full deck uh, to manage all of that, all of the various. I, I agree with there. that. Well, I think that I think that he's been playing quickly more than Grimes, for example. Um, even though Grimes also is needed to both, he's needed to fill RJ's. He's needed to back up the three now, or he's he needs to be the full time three. But he's also the only other shooting guard, right? Um. I think that, and quickly still been getting more of those minutes. Um, so I think that when, I think if you just do the math out, right? Like if, if even if RJ goes back to 36 minutes, that's 12 back up there um, for Grimes going to have to play that backup three position. So that's 12 for him. And, um, and then let's say he gets 18 more as the starting two, that's 20 for quickly there. And then you have whatever the backup minutes are for Brunson, which like, do I think that if it's between Deuce and, quickly getting those backup minutes. With, I don't think he's going to have Brunson and quickly off the floor at the same time. Let's just put it like that. So I think if you do the math, or even if he even if he plays Grimes 36 minutes, right, that still leaves you um, that still leaves you um, probably 24 minutes for uh, for quickly at the two. And then, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to, like, he's not going to, like, I think that the point is that if it's a question between Quickly getting thirty minutes versus Deuce getting the difference between fifteen and ten or ten and five. Quickly's getting those minutes. If it's a difference between quickly getting thirty minutes versus twenty five or like Grimes thirty six versus thirty one, at this point, I think he might straight up prefer quickly to Grimes, or at the very least, like he's not going to play Grimes in an inordinate amount of minutes um, just to keep quickly at twenty four. I, I, I think there's like the the only way in which quickly goes back to like twenty four minutes. Is Grimes is the backup, or sorry, Grimes gets thirty six minutes, and McBride gets like fifteen to twenty minutes as the sole um, backup point guard. So we'll see. Uh, I'm again. I'm. I'm just. I remember the minutes before RJ got hurt. They were not. I was not. He was still happy. playing Rose. He was still playing Rose. He wasn't playing Rose then. Grimes was healthy. I mean, if he was playing Rose, because Grimes wasn't healthy. But, like, you look at the game, like, that Philly game, I think that was the last game before, um, yeah, that's the last game before RJ was hurt. 
and Brunson was hurt. Um, you know, because Brunson went out at the end of the Philly game, and then RJ gets hurt literally at the start of the Dallas game. But if you go back and watch that Philly game, he was going to play 17 minutes. Then Brunson got hurt, so he came back in to play the last four. But he and did play Rose. Year, he played Rose, and he played. I believe he played Fournier too, right? He definitely played Rose, which is which is a, a big new source of quickly minutes because he's thrown in the towel on Rose. So, I mean, yeah, I'm just look. I, I'm just not. We'll see. I, I hope you're. Like, right. I don't think I hope, quickly. Like I don't think quickly has played less than like 25 with Rose out, or with Rose not in the rotation. Maybe I. I don't know. I, I'm just. Look, well, the point ultimately is that, like, this team is just – there's too much time. Like, and I don't care. Like, I'm I'm just done with people trying to downplay. Oh, Quickly's yeah. a nice role player. Grimes is a nice role player. It's Leon Rose's fault, Schwinn. It's not – well, it actually is, but not because of the roster personnel, right? That's what it is. Like, I just think this team – these guys are too good. And and Mitch, too. Like, you're, you're right. Like, Mitch has been playing at a high level. I thought he was really good last night. Um, like, really, really good. I know offensively he had some – Interesting choices that he made at the rim. But, uh, I, I thought he played a really good defensive game. I thought Julius played a really good defensive game. Actually, I I, I didn't have a like. Th- I did not love the first quarter, the shot selection, but like, I, he did a great job on Giannis, and he was committed, and he he rebounded well, and he he didn't. He I thought he avoided a lot of the really stupid plays that often plague him. Um, I just thought he played really well, and Brunson was obviously great last night. And quickly was really good last night, and Grimes barely shot the ball, but I thought he re- he rebounded like a fucking maniac yesterday. He was awesome. He was everywhere. Um, these guys played really well, and I I just think, look, when RJ gets back, obviously that's going to be a big help because you have a sixth guy that is now starter caliber. Let's say, um, can the Knicks get more from their bench? Hopefully they can. Uh, I think I know Deuce hasn't shot consistently yet, but I also think he's been put in some really bad situations in terms of the lineups that he's been forced to play with. Um, Obi obviously his first game back. You know it is what it is. We'll see. I thought he was okay. Nothing to write home about. Um, Hartenstein, I, I'm. I don't know. Yeah, I. Do you, do you think he has the makings of a varsity athlete? No, I don't. Um, I would tell him that. I, Three times? I, I can't yeah. I can't tell you how deflating that sequence like in the stadium you could feel that like that sequence where he And it was such a nice pass he, from Deuce too, right? Yeah, he misses a point blank point blank layup point blank layup, misses the tip, and then he rushes this floater that he was wide open and on. And he airballed another air floater. And that's the thing. Remember that shot was automatic for him earlier this year, right? That like little 10-foot straight-on floater. He's had, yeah. like, one of his last 10 or something. Like, I think, I mean, look, I, I understand there's a lot of people who are just, and I'm not excusing it, it almost seems like he has the yips right now. Like, he's just playing, it seems like, with no confidence on offense. Um, I, I don't know what's what's going on with him, but this is more than just Hartenstein sucks. It's like, he's just, he's, he doesn't have it right now, you know? I think he's a better player he's than this. He's playing like a basket case. And I mean, defensively, I this guy's defensive rebounding. I mean, so the, the worst part about that sequence is he follows that up by not boxing out Giannis. Giannis gets, and then he fouls him, so he sends him the line. And actually, at 70 to 53, which is another big swing in this game, 70 to 53, 
he doesn't box out Portis, who kind of keeps the ball alive, and then Brunson tries to save it, but steps on the line. In the stadium, they show the replay. It didn't look like he stepped on the line. But anyway, they, but the point is, like, if Hardenstein just blocks out Portis, that's our board anyway. And it, these, I just, I can't, I can't with this guy. Like, the margins he costs you are the worst. They're the fucking worst. Because a, a center that doesn't corral defensive rebounds, the easiest way to get open threes is off that shit. That's the easiest open three that you get in basketball, which we've seen with Mitch, which has done a great job of this, right? Is like he's now kicking out shooters after he gets offensive rebounds sometimes. He, he's so, so bad at it. I, I can't. I just, I'm over this guy. Like, I, I don't care. Maybe Tibbs is misusing him, whatever you want to say, fine. And maybe that's all valid, but like, that's not going to change. So please just either trade him or move. I don't know. I, I'm so, I'm, I, I'm trying so hard. To like, not be like, oh, just trade him because I'm sick of him. But I can't. Like, I really can't. He's just such a frustrating player to watch right now. And I genuinely think he is killing you for stretches of these games. Absolutely killing you. I mean, that lineup with him and Randall has consistently been atrocious this year. And they play together a pretty decent amount because Randall usually plays the entire first and third quarters. And Mitch doesn't. So Hartenstein usually comes in. Those minutes almost always suck. Almost always suck. Well, so, I mean, what would like, you say? I, his on off has actually been better than Jericho Sims. Um, even, you know, when one is in and the other is, even when Sims hasn't had to play before. I know. Uh, no, I know. I know. And it's, it's, it's confounding. And I can't. So if, if your argument. I'm not making an argument. Is, I'm saying others have made. No, no, no. I know. And I've, I've Look, people have made the argument that, like, hey, look, the data is saying what the data is saying. Like, you, you should roll with Hartenstein here. And I'm generally somebody who likes to follow data instead of intuition. But I, I can't. I don't know what it is. I think maybe it's that Sims's lows are actually much lower than Hartenstein, but his mistakes are less loud. So you don't notice it as much. But I, I think Sims is – his highs, for this team anyway, are meaningfully more important than what Hartenstein provides. And look, the fact of the matter is Hartenstein, one of his major skills is being a facilitator, and we don't use that at all. And whether that's right or wrong, that's the reality of the situation. So if you're not getting that from him, then you're kind of you're you're muting what his potential impact can be anyways. Um, so I don't know. Look, again, I, I did all the I looked at all that on off different combinations with him and Sims and all these different things. And all of it says Hartenstein's been better than Sims. But I can, as much as I want to follow the numbers, this is one where, to me, like the numbers are something's going on there because I think I just think Sims has, I don't know, I just think Sims is a better fit for what we need and better for this team. I think another thing. So I mean, I think you watch more around the NBA than than I have this season for sure. Um, and my question would be this, right? Like when when you talk about the situational term, right? There are situational players in every team, and every team likes to go with a standard rotation. But how often is it that the team never plays certain guys ever, right? Um, in a game, perhaps where yeah, like where Sims is. I mean, Prez had a nice thread where you know people people do overlook some of Sims's shortcomings, namely that you know because he's not really that big a dude. I think he has the same standing reach as like Cam Reddish, obviously better athlete and much stronger. Um, but like my question is, you know, how often is it that situational just means never plays, whereas other teams may be using some of these guys in a specific scenario more than, than the Knicks are? 
I, I that's tough. It, I mean, it's really hard because you know you look around the league and it's hard to follow each team. Obviously, um, to me, and this has always been a tips thing is he if you're if you're situational, you're that doesn't actually mean situational, right? That means you're not playing. And I would guess again, I there's there's literally there's probably a way to do it, but I don't have access to this stuff, and I don't think anybody does, and I can't tell you off the top of my head, but like. I think he's definitely more rigid in that sense than almost any other coach in the league. Um, you know, like I think Doc has a lot of similarities, right, to Tibbs, which isn't a surprise because Tibbs obviously coached under Doc in Boston. Um, but even Doc, I think he, like, you know, he'll throw Korkmaz into a game. He'll throw Shake Milton into a game. He'll throw Dybul into a game. Like, he'll give these guys opportunities at various points. And, and that's not to say Tibbs is actually this year, I think more so than the past two has, has given guys opportunities, but it feels like it's like, it's like, Oh, for these 10 games, these are the guys and Deuce won't play and Rose. Like, so for these 10 games, the, these, and then it changes and it's like, Oh, actually for the next five games, these are the guys. And then now it's been for like the last 16 or whatever. These are the guys. And, and that means Cam will never play again. I think that's pretty much certain. Rose and Fournier will only play in the event of major injury issues, right? Fournier is only playing right now because RJ's out. That's it. He's just buying him some minutes. Yeah, and Rose and uh, but, quickly got hurt, or Bronson got hurt. Yeah, and and that's not like I don't I don't have a problem with those guys being out of the rotation per se. But to your point, it's like, isn't there maybe a situation where, or or if you have if you know, have three bigs who are playable, I think Hartenstein when he's I don't. I, I will yeah, say I playable. don't think he's this bad. I think he's in a rough state. He, he's not unplayable. He, even when he's atrocious, he's not like an un. He might have stretches yeah. where you're like you're unplayable. But, but I've seen him have good stretches. I've yeah. I know this guy yeah. can do yeah. certain things that he, like I, he's not missing like those layups and everything yesterday. That screamed to me a guy who's just not playing with confidence. Uh, Any, well, it's worth noting he had that pesky Javon um, Carter on his on his hip, um, which yes, half the size, but that's not fun to have to finish over the yeah, guy. He, He's also he's also like there were multiple times he catched under the hoop and then just didn't even look to put up a shot and yeah so it's it's out. something's going on with him um I, but I also think yeah but you do have three playable bigs um <clears throat> so does it have to only be two when everyone's healthy like there should be no and and, and or, yeah, if, or and if no one's in foul trouble right because sometimes you want to throw guys a different look yeah I mean I thought like. I think Hartenstein and Sims should both be situational. That's how I think of it. And <coughs> well, like real situational, not Tibbs situational. Right, 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 right. And it should be dictated by like game flow, matchups, whatever. If Tibbs prefers Hartenstein, that's fine. Like I don't, he can he can prefer Hartenstein, and he can tend to give him more run than Jericho. But like I thought after that first half run yesterday that Sims should have come in. Like Sims should have just played. And then obviously, as soon as you see that sequence at the end of the third where it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, I, I thought that was a situation Sims could have come in. And like I think he just like, said Mitch in pretty quickly after that, right? Yeah, he just he just played Mitch the last basically the I mean he it was like the last thirty seconds of the third and then the entire fourth. Just not, not like, ideal, right? I mean that is a guy his conditions yeah, the, are better this year, right. but not ideal, right? Yeah, I mean that's the point. And, and I thought what what is very interesting to me watching the Bucks, um and this is definitely not I don't know if Bud buttonholes are always do this with them he basically plays Yana he plays Giannis a shit ton okay but like what he usually seems to do is he takes him out with like 
two or like he'll take him out with like two minutes left in the first quarter. Or like he'll take him out like like he he'll he'll like pull him in the middle of quarters and then send him back in at the end. So he'll he'll miss like, you know, from the five minute mark to the two minute mark or something like that. But then he'll close the quarter. And he does this pretty consistently. So what like so he plays uh like he he'll play like, you know, nine minutes a quarter, whatever it is, thirty six minutes for the game. But like the way he does it to me is very interesting. Uh and I'm not saying I don't know if it's good or bad or whatever. I'm not even this is not even like a Tim should totally do this because this is so much better thing. But it's like I just find that interesting um, how he does that and like some of the matchups that you get created from it. But like the point more was you know I just think Sims can Sims come in and just give you two or three minutes and and does that benefit you at the end of a game? Like I I, I there's no way to know this right. But the Knicks couldn't get it. Like they did a great job, I thought, for the most part, defensive rebounding yesterday. But at the end of the game, they couldn't get a fucking board. They just could not get a rebound. Mitch couldn't get one. Randall couldn't get one, even though they were both in position. And like, is that fatigue? Because you're well, playing you an entire five or six or games in the last couple of minutes, right? I know some of them were free throws. Uh, a couple of them were just missed rebounds, right? I mean, the Dallas game, um, not being able to break a press. Uh, I mean, at some point, you have to. If it's happening this often. Like, is it beyond the pale to mention fatigue at all? Maybe not every game, but you know, it seems to be a thing. Like, they're they're not playing well at the end of games. There was no reason. Like, you can yesterday at least. Like, M- Milwaukee was is is a better team, right? Even with Middleton out, um, that's not to justify what happened. But you can see they made their run at the end of the third. Um, you know, they punched back. They showed that they're and then the Knicks fought in the fourth, but there wasn't enough, right? So you can say, fine, that wasn't all fatigue. But there was no reason that Toronto game should have been close at the end. The Knicks had a 16-point lead with yeah. three minutes left, less than three minutes left. Yeah, and, and, and people will be like, well, they almost did it to the Bucks the night before. And it's like, okay, but like we also know that that was a – like that doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, it's, not, it's, like, it's a, a pattern with the Knicks, you know? And I think you, yeah. there might be other, other things, right? But one, you just said one excuse they had previously was no closer. That's not a thing. Hell, even Randall has been better. He, was, he made a couple of mistakes last night for sure. But he's been better in those situations of late. Um, <coughs> you know, they have shooters, and they can defend. So what is what is driving it? It has to be, you know, I, I think fatigue, like you should be allowed to mention fatigue. That doesn't mean I'm saying that Tibbs is some, you know, like ramming speed guy or whatever, right? Like, um, you know, like it's, it's, you could even say that Tibbs has no choice but to play them these minutes. Fine. But you, we shouldn't, it's should, like mentioning fatigue shouldn't be beyond the pale because if you identify these problems, then you can say, all right, so how do we remedy this, right? Is it giving him more depth? Is he going to use that depth properly? Uh, I don't know, but is it, do we need to just work on these players' conditioning? You know, maybe you, a lot of people say, well, they're not playing any more minutes than other team starters. Fine. Do we need to focus more on conditioning? I don't know. Um, <sighs> I don't think I don't I don't know. They don't look like a badly conditioned team. It just looks like look, you let's be real, look when the depth on this team has not performed to the level that we thought. Okay. Um some of that might be self self inflicted, some of that some of the be, depth has had to become not depth, right? Quickly is now a starter. Right, right. So that that's part of it. Um but Hardenstein's been a disappointment. Like, Obi's been yeah, out. Been a disappointment. Obi's been out. Yeah, Obi was out. Um, Rose has been more. Rose, Rose is out of the road. Rose is cooked. Fournier looks pretty cooked to me. Um, Reddish is just 
done forever here. Like it is what it is. I don't even want, like the Reddish thing is so boring to talk about. It is like I, I don't I don't care. He's, he's done. Um, and Deuce has struggled to hit shots at times. I don't think he's been done favors with the lineups that Tibbs has often put him in, but that's a separate discussion. Um, but like, so I get to some extent there's not a lot that Tibbs can do. But I mean, I just look at like like so. This was kind of like where I was going with that the whole Giannis thing. When you when you pull him in those moments, but you still have Holiday and Brook on the floor, what you're able to do is like bring in a guy like Beauchamp. And I, I know he had a few threes yesterday, but like he hasn't been. He's not a great shooter, but like you're able to play him and and get away with it for a few minutes because you still got your other two guys on the floor. And I think what Tibbs. The way Tibbs seems to view it is like, and this was like a frustrating moment in a 10 man rotation, right? He's like, he views lineups like units that need to be tethered together at the attached at the hip. And um, that's just one of those things that's like, you know, is that right? Is that wrong? We can debate that forever. But like, especially now, right now with RJ out, you would like to see a little bit more. Um, a little bit more like opportunity where you give, you know, maybe you put Deuce in for quick earlier and then you pull Brunson a little bit earlier for quick. So that way that, you know, there's no minutes where it's just quick and Deuce together. Right. And there's no third, there's no Randall or Brunson on the floor at those times. Um, I think that would be something to consider, but like we're, we're almost to the end of the stretch um, where Seems pretty soon he was listed. So presumably um, he's getting pretty close to returning. How will that work out? I, I don't know. But um, hopefully we're getting close to the point where this doesn't even to be part of it. He should always be able to have at least two on the floor and maybe even three. So um, that would be great. And part of this is also like, hey, look, like, can you give Grimes more opportunities? Can he help you out if you give him a few reps on the ball? That's something to consider. Obviously, Tibbs at this point doesn't feel like that's the case. But I'll tell you what, like, I'd rather see Grimes get some ball handling reps at this moment in time than fucking Deuce. Uh, like, no. just flat out. I, I, I don't what? necessarily I don't necessarily agree with that. Did you say not were you, were you singing? Or were, did you say no no or No, I think I think, you said, I think oh, your no, internet no. is buffering. <laughs> I said uh no, yeah. I don't agree with that. Uh, I think Grimes is great as that but like in terms of just as a creator, when he doesn't have a screen, or even when he's wondering a pick and roll, like he's better attacking closeouts, and there his vision really shines. I, I like what I've been seeing from Deuce as he's gotten more minutes. You know, he did have that great pass to, to Arnstein. Um, he's made he's allergic to the rim. That's the issue. But that's what Grimes was last year too. Um, so I'm, I mean, I I think I I am higher on Deuce than a lot of people. I think his big thing is yeah, he just needs to learn that. Once you get below the free throw line, keep going. And if you get blocked, that's fine. I think his passing is good. I think he's been shooting the ball a lot better recently. I expect that to continue. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I still think he should, like, quickly should be getting the majority of on-ball reps when Brunson isn't in. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I still think Deuce has serious issues. Um just being a creator at this point in time. Like, I mean, I, he did have that really nice pass to Hardenstein yesterday. And I do mean that it was like a genuinely very good possession. I think he basically got isolated on Giannis and then had to take him off the bounce, got him up in the air and then fed Hardenstein for what really should have just been an easy layup. Um, 
but like, he, he, like there's so many possessions where he'll bring the ball up and then he just does nothing for like eight seconds, and then by and then he just swings it to quickly anyway, and then quickly has to create, and it's like, well, can we just like maybe just give quickly the ball? I mean, there's just there, I just think there's like ways to to use. For, for, to to forgetting the deuce piece of it, I just think there's ways to use guys in this team that we're not exploring. Like, for example, Brunson's a great post. He's a great post player, especially for a guard. How many post ups do we run for him? For Actually, Brunson, yeah, <clears throat> like he dri- he dribbles into post post ups and creates them for himself. But I don't like. Well, I, I mean, think you, there's are you saying you'd rather have him get a seal? Because I don't know if that's really. I feel like he's probably better at dribbling into it than like sealing his defender for an entry pass. Maybe he's not like can, a big target like in... as an entry guy, right? No, but like, all right. So, like, as an example, could you quickly bring the ball up, have Brunson come off a cross screen from Randall, and quickly throws an entry pass to him? I I feel like is that something you want to run in crunch time? Probably not. But like, that's something you could definitely run in the first quarter, and. Like, you know, look, we know that teams aren't playing the most locked-in defense, generally speaking, in the first quarter. Like, is that a way to just give throw a, throw a wrinkle in? Like, uh, these are the things I wonder about this team because I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer. Um, all I know is how Tibbs deploys the talent. Like, that's that's the context in which we are able to view this team. And I just think there's I, – I really think there's more possibilities that we should be open to with how we can use various guys on the team. Like I really struggle to believe that Quentin Grimes can't be utilized more. I mean, I, I did a post today. Um, I, I, I looked up all the different usage splits um, with this team and like, honestly, man, it's pretty gross. How, how much we're leaning on Randall and Brunson and, and RJ as well. Like, with Randall and Brunson on the floor and RJ off, Quickly's played 173 minutes. His usage in those minutes is 10.4. Quentin Grimes, his usage is tw- is 12.8. Brunson's at 33.8. Julius Randall is at 33.3. What's RJ? Uh, that's that. That was with RJ okay, off the yeah. floor. So Julius Brunson on. RJ Where are you off finding these uh, NBA Wowie. Okay. Uh, with Brunson and Barrett on the floor, RJ or, and Randall off. RJ, 28 usage. Brunson, 31.3 usage. Quickly, 17.6, but they've only played 37 minutes. Th- this lineup, by the way, Brunson and RJ with Randall off, guess how many minutes they've played? Not sure. 100? 70. Okay. That's insane to me. Uh, so, I mean, th- that sample size is barely doesn't even matter. Uh, RJ, Julius, and Brunson off. RJ, RJ and Julius on, Brunson off. RJ, or yeah, RJ is at 26.8 usage. Randall is at 32.1 usage. Quickly in 51 minutes with them has 15.2 usage. Obviously, Quickly's usage for the season, I think, is at 18 something. Is that a career um, low? Yes, it is a career low. Like, the usage splits on this team to me are just, they're, they're not. I've been harping on this now for a while. I, I really don't like it. I don't like what we're seeing. Uh, he's at 19.6 usage, by the way, quickly, which is a career low. I, I really don't like it. I think it's way too much, and I think it's limiting 
I, I think there's more to what guys like quickly. And I mean, look, we saw what quickly did yesterday, right? We've seen what he's done. Well, even given yesterday, a really disturbing, there were multiple times and I get it. A lot of people, you know, especially on Twitter, right? You have, you know, you, you, people say a, an early transition three is a bad shot. There are people that just, there are people I saw who said we, we lost because we took too many threes yesterday, um, which to me makes no sense. But he, when's the last time you took him, you saw him take a transition three? He had multiple opportunities yesterday where he's dribbling in. He had six to eight feet of space minimum. He didn't take them anymore. And, um, and like his usage, and I'm not saying, I think, to your point, I wonder how much of that is a Tibbs directive, right? If the opportunity cost is what he sees is great, Randall. I mean, Randall and Brunson are both 60 true shooting guys. He might say that, you know, that's the opportunity cost for a trick quickly transition three, but he has to take those, you know, that's the, diff- that's the difference right now offensively between him and a guy like Bone Thailand. Like those are Anthony Simons, even those guys are perceived as being so much better because they're a lot, they have the freedom to take those shots. And he doesn't, and I think that that ultimately, and the same thing goes for Grimes. Well, Grimes, I think, is a little bit more empowered just because he can get a shot off at any point. But and I'll, but even I don't even think Grimes really. I mean, Grimes is empowered to shoot when he gets kickouts, but he's not empowered to like, like they don't run anything for him. Like, and and that's that's really my point is like, there's 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 more to these guys. We know it. Like, I know some summer league is summer league, right? It's whatever but like you can't tell me that grimes cannot do more than he's doing it, it's ludicrous to me i mean yesterday they had a sequence they had a stretch where like i mean it's just some of the some of the matchups up with tips is always so weird where it's like he had fournier on ingles but then he had he had like grimes hanging out on beauchamp or something and it's like dude beauchamp doesn't triple you know what i mean like he like I, that's i don't know i that one was weird but the point is more like going to the offensive side of it is you see what a guy like Grimes could, did in summer league where they clearly as an organization were like, Hey, look, you, you're the man, just go do a bunch of shit. Right. And I, I, I'm not, obviously you can't do that at the NBA level and you shouldn't because you have Brunson, you have Randall, you have quickly, you have uh, RJ when he's back. Like you're not going to be able to just tell Grimes to go do whatever the hell he wants. But like, you can give him a couple possessions a game. You know, you can give, you can run a set for him to do more. Like, we don't even run sets to get him open for threes, right? The only time, like, we run something for him to get open for threes is when Julius just brings it up and, like, tells him to run a DHO, right? Like, that's it. Other than that, it's he has to wait to get kickouts from Brunson, from Randall, from Quick, whoever. And then with Quickly, it's like when he's on the floor, I mean, look, I, the usage is the usage. When he's on the floor with Randall and Brunson, He's got a lower usage than Grimes. You can't like at some point you can't just be like, well, guys, you know, he's not being aggressive. No, that yeah. that 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 split is so extreme that it can't just be like think, a consequence, like a, a, a fluky coincidence. And I, or I think a lot of the time, a lot of it is. I think like you'd like to run more plays for him and all of that, but like he, I think he's just being discouraged from shooting threes, uh, particularly in transition. Um, he's not allowed. Yeah, you could definitely see it in transition. And and also, they're just especially late in games. They're just he's told not to push the ball in transition. Period. Or if they do, then they can't. Um, you know, they, they, he can't shoot. Right, he has to pull it out. Um, and I mean, I think that that's there's it's no secret. That's why he was so much more effective second half of last year and playing with. And I think getting Obi back will help um, because they're just they're going to run more with Obi there, right? Um, 
But um, but if you really want this guy to reach the ceiling, you got to let him take some of those shots. And and when we, by the way, for people that are listening and saying, well, now you're complaining about Brunson and Randall taking too many shots, they've both been really efficient, right? I'm not going to argue that quickly is a better should be prioritized in the offense over that. But what Schwinn's point, and I agree, obviously, is that it's just way too. Ex- I mean, are there usage splits that are like what is it with the Lakers with Davis and, and LeBron out there? Now I'm kind of curious. Well, uh, who's usage? So are there? Are, is this typical for like the top two options to have that much of a, of a concentrated you know, usage? I, I mean, I, I can look it up right now. So LeBron um, and AD I was mean, one example that came to mind. But let's say like even like Mitchell and Garland playing together. Okay, so LeBron and AD together um, is Anthony Davis twenty six point one usage, LeBron James thirty point one usage. That's in four hundred and eighty five minutes this season. So both of those are less um, you know, than got, than Brunson and Randall together, right? Uh, yes. I mean, look to, to some some. So, in fairness, Russell Westbrook has played oh, two hundred twenty six yeah. <laughs> of those minutes with them. He has a twenty four usage <laughs> in that time. But like, but like, even a guy like Lonnie Walker, right? Three hundred thirty three minutes, seventeen point three usage. That's more than quickly and and Grimes get when they play with those guys. Um, what was the other one? I mean, anyone getting a twelve usage or whatever that is, like, you could be. Matisse Tybel. <laughs> you have a twelve use. I don't think Emmanuel quickly is Matisse Tybel, you know. Um, so that's just Yeah, uh so Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland on the floor together, twenty four point three usage for Garland, twenty eight point two for Mitchell. Then you have Mobley at eighteen, Jared Allen fifteen point six, Karis Levert fourteen, uh Lamar Stevens fifteen and a half. Like it's it's more equitable, yeah. you know. More talent for um, sure. I mean Karis Levert's a pretty good player, but yeah. I mean, is it more talent? Like, like the top end talent. You want to say that they have better top end talent? Go for it. But like, is it really better talent after that? I mean, Evan Mobley's going to be a stud, but like, he's not a stud right now. Not offensively, anyway. He's not like he's not great at creating offense, right? Jared Allen is a pick and roll finisher. He's at fifteen point six usage, and yes, yeah, some of that is the fact that he can do more than he's got a little. Like, he's got a little like hook shot. He can do a little one dribble moves. Like, fine. But like, I I still think like he's got a higher usage than quickly does playing with those guys. He's got a higher usage than Grimes does playing with those guys. That that's crazy. That and that's clear. Like at some point, that's not just some like fluky coincidence. Again, like that is clearly just how the talent is being directed and and used. And like, is that like you can tell me that that is good? Like that's fine, and maybe it is, but like. I don't think you're going to like. You're not going to meaningfully become a worse team if you give guys like Grimes quickly a few more shots and a few more just touches of the ball. Like, I mean, that fourth quarter yesterday. Look, I know Brunson was cooking, but quickly hit 23 points on like 14 shots, and he he didn't touch the ball for the last what felt like the last nine minutes of the game. Grimes didn't touch the ball. Like, I I, I don't. I'm sorry. Like I, I really struggled to believe that that is the only way and just the absolute best way to do it. I, I really do. Like I, I don't know. I, I really struggle with that. And you know, Tibbs is like this is this is how Tibbs runs the ship, and that's what we have to deal with. But like, I, I don't know, man. I, I just to me, it, it's. It's too extreme. It's way too extreme. And I've been saying this. I I said this even before RJ got hurt. 
and like I, I just think the the usage splits here are like you're you're basically running like a three man helio, you know, like it's three guys that that just do everything, and everybody else lives off the scraps. And um, I, I mean, I know we've talked about this, but I didn't like you. Me and you talked about this. I think during that Kings game, actually, when they won, that we talked about how frustrating it was that like it felt like every possession when RJ's on the floor quickly, it's just like quickly brings the ball up, but then it's Tibbs calling a play for RJ. To, and it's also, and it's also know. the method in which like, like if, if it's Brunson, I get it, right? Let him ISO. If it's Randall, where he has a, um, a favorable matchup, I get it. Fine. Uh, I do think, but I, I think there's two things like when RJ is on a heater or when Randall's on a heater, right? If Randall is scoring a bunch of points, cause he's killing in the short roll, or he's cutting, or he's hitting threes, that doesn't mean that you just beat him the ball and go 1-4 flat, right? Um, you know, or, you know, if RJ's scoring 40 points, but it's all off of that act, that side action, that doesn't mean you put him in the middle of the floor and say, go to work, RJ, uh, or, you know, or post him up, which he's still kind of figuring out. Um, you have to keep going to the way that you did that. And then you said three, three and then the other part of it, yeah, is that, um, you know, you want to still be diverse, but like when you're talking about three helio usage, it's not even that because um, the issue is usually when you have one of Randall and RJ with the bench unit and you're just, you know what I mean? Like it's usually one or two of those guys. So it's one helio or it's two helio. Uh, and besides Brunson, I'm not sure I trust any guy to really do that. Like Randall at his best, I think is still playing off other players and he's been really good at that. But he's still not like give him the ball and get the fuck out of the way against most teams. The only player that that applies to really, I think, is Brunson on this team. Um, you know, even though Randall has been a great scorer, it's just it's a different. He's he's best in a different style. So, and you know, so if you want to play to Randall or RJ's strengths, you have to like, you know, you you kind of um, these are not you, you don't you're not just giving them the solo right. They kind of have to play as part of the ensemble a little bit more, uh, certainly than a guy like Brunson. You know? Um, are we talking about like a jazz band or is it like a more traditional band? Uh, I was thinking more of a um, yodeling, a yodeling group. (laughs) Okay, this one, this is actually, I mean, this speaks to to what we're talking about here. And I find this, I actually think this is very, very revealing. Okay, so RJ, with RJ Brunson and Randall on, okay, and I took out the, and with Fournier off, I just think Fournier is weird because he just He'll put up shots no matter who he's playing with. Um, so without him, okay, those so those three without Fournier on have played 617 minutes. Okay. Now we know, obviously, because we've watched the season, we've seen those three with quickly, we've seen those three with Reddish, we've seen those three with Grimes. Effectively, all three of those guys have played as like the the other wing, right? You know? Um <laughs> so Quickly in those in ninety four minutes he's played with those three with Fournier off twelve point eight usage. Cam Reddish hundred seventy six minutes with those three guys, uh, with those three guys on and Fournier off twelve point seven usage. Quentin Grimes two hundred forty nine minutes with those three guys on and Evan Fournier off twelve point seven usage. Like you know, like that's they they and 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 to be clear, like Mitch in those minutes because he's obviously played a shit ton of those minutes. 354, he's got a 9.8 usage. So you're talking about, like, they're getting, like, four shots, and Mitch is getting, like, three, you know what I mean? The, the usage is... And I get it, like, naturally, Brunson and Randall and RJ are going to get the ball more, and, you know, there's a, there's a conversation we had about, like, well, 
should RJ get the ball this much? Um, maybe he should. I don't know. I actually kind of disagree with that. I think he's actually been really good. Aside from, like, again, like I, I've talked about this a bunch, but those five disastrous fucking sick games he had are nuking his his entire season. He's basically like 55, 56 shooting except for those five games. Anyway, um, I get that those three guys are going to shoot more, but it's like, and again, to your point, it's like not just that they're shooting more. It's like how you're how you're setting them up. Like I, I really think that you can do more to to get the that that fourth guy involved in the offense. I really do. Um, even if the usage and, doesn't and not, go up that much, it's also like he has to be a threat. And like you know, and and you, upping that usage will help Randall and Brunson's efficiencies. Did you um? I, I would imagine their numbers are still pretty efficient on that usage, right? Um, Randall, Brunson, RJ? Certainly Randall and Brunson, probably not RJ. Yeah, Randall's at 57.5. Brunson's actually at 56.6, which is fine. But That's for his standards pretty low, right? Yeah, and RJ's at 56.3, which is great uh, for him. Anyway, that's a massive improvement. Um, Quickly, in again, super small sample for these, for quickly, especially 65.4 true shooting, Cam Reddish 57.8, Quentin Grimes 61. And it's like, I mean, if anything, the fact that those guys have put up the true shooting and the general efficiency numbers they have in those lineups is like kind of why you're like maybe get the more shots. You know, I, I it's. I, well, I, I, I quickly is basically yeah. turned into a catch and shoot guy in those lineups, right? Um, yeah, he's just a corner spot, which you would expect him to put up pretty efficient numbers. Um, I think with Brunson and Randall on the... Well, are we sure that Quickly is actually a good shooter? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, I well, that's the point. Like, we want him to... You want to see him add more to this game. Uh, but So I have less of an issue when it's Brunson and or Randall out there. Uh, I think the issues come when, when RJ babysits that bench lineup. And that's... And when Quickly still isn't empowered to kind of take some of these... Like if, you know, like, yeah, like some of the, the threes he was passing up, Brunson and Randall aren't even in the game yesterday. And he's passing up open transition threes when it's like, guy, we're probably not going to get a better shot than that. You know, just because you're in the paint doesn't make your floater a better shot than a pull-up transition three. You're probably going to get, you know, if you miss, then Green's going to be like, well, they shouldn't be taking a shot that early in the shot clock. But the reality is that's not the case. That's that's a pretty good shot. And also, if you're willing to take that, it's going to open up your drives to the rim because defenses are not going to be able to just sit on their heels. So, um, anything he needs to be empowered to do more. Um, I think the, Grimes in general, they just don't. I don't know that I agree with you that they need to be like giving Grimes more side pick and rolls, but I wouldn't mind seeing it. And they, they don't do like the stuff that Fournier does with Randall, the DHOs and all that. How often do they even do that with Grimes? You know? Yeah, no, I, I that that's like, I, I agree. Like, they don't. It's it's forget even weird. like floppies um, and all that, which they should be doing that all the time with Grimes. By the way, they should be using him like he's buddy fucking healed at this point. Right? I'm not saying he's that good of a shooter, but that relative on this team, he has that skill set. That's what he brings, and they don't do that much. And imagine how much easier life for Brunson and Randall would be if their help, if the help defenders that are crowding the paint now have to worry about some action going on behind. Yeah, I mean that's I think that that's really the part of it that is it's not about it's not really to me about well you've got to get quickly and grimes way more shots it's like well just 
make like to your point, like make them a threat. Make the make the defense have to do more than just be like aware of where they're spotting up, right? Like you can do more than that. Um, and like, look, the Bucks do this with Grayson Allen, right? Like they have him run these DHOs pretty consistently, and that's not because Grayson Allen is like the greatest fucking offensive player ever. He might be a little bit more might, advanced with Grimes and the with the ball, but not not super. So and, and the only way to get better and, is and Grimes yeah. is yeah and Grimes is way better burst he's stronger like he, he's a more he's a better athlete um but like it, it just keeps defenses having to honor multiple things I mean they were doing it with Ingles yesterday and they got a lot of joy out of that in the fourth quarter right like they you know Ingles had a nice lob to Giannis off a empty side pick and roll or empty side DHO I should say the Knicks um, kept losing also, him. Yeah, they kept losing him. They kept, you know, they they're, they didn't know how to cover that play really for a little bit. And it's just, you know, like you, when you, even if it's just two plays that work, like that's two plays that worked. You know what I mean? Like, and now the defense has to be aware of that. And even if you're not planning on going to that at the end of games, and like, obviously they're not going to run fucking Joe Ingles, Giannis, DHOs at the end of a basketball game. But like, you have to at least, understand that that in, it's in the back of your head as a defender like okay this is a possibility there's a chance that they could run this thing and I, I feel like we're punting on the opportunities to even we're, we're punting on the opportunity to incept opponent defenses uh with the potential it's like having a running quarterback quickly to run a dh it's like having a running quarterback and not using him for three quarters in a game really so. <laughs> yes, it is a lot <laughs> to like open that. things up. Um, so. Yeah, and it's like, like you said, like it's, you know, if you have a running quarterback, you don't need to run him twenty five times. Run him three times. They just have to. It's going to hold yeah. the defensive end, right? You run Grimes off right. a couple of floppies. Now the guy's not going to crash the paint the same way that. But when we started loading up on Giannis, guess what? The, and the the Bucks weren't just sitting um, with Lingles and, and Holiday in the corner. They were having them lift. They were having them, them run different actions off ball. They were getting Giannis in the ball in, di- in different ways to give him that vision a little bit better. Uh, and I actually think, you know, the way they've used Randall, I think, has been pretty good this year. Um, but there's just, you know, you have these good off ball players and you don't really take advantage of it. Yeah, and and I think the really frustrating thing for me, and maybe probably more so for you, you could probably speak to this, um, is like quickly was an awesome off ball player. Like that was his entire thing in Kentucky. And Grimes transitioned from being a point guard, obviously at Houston, uh, to being more. I mean, he no, no, he was a point he guard. Created at, a lot. He was a point he guard created, at Kansas. At Houston, he was he was basically this yeah. at Houston. Like this is what he. That's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is what he was, but he was definitely more involved. Like, and he definitely. I, I mean, it's college, so obviously he's going to be more involved because he made it to the NBA. That's usually how it works. But like, he. He, he, there's more to gain than just hot up three point shooting, obviously. Um, and we saw that in summer league. We've seen shit. We saw that against Dallas, right? When when he kind of had to do more. And I know that he struggled coming off that game against both the Spurs um, and a little bit against Houston to to show that that part of his game. But it's like, I mean, he's deadly. It, that's almost like out. like part of Ray. And so it's just like there's. There, there's just more to what these guys can do, and I, I don't know. I, it's just I, I hate harping on this, but like especially with quickly. I mean, we saw that his rookie season. 
playing off of Rose, right? Like, there's more to what he can do than just, like, just waiting in the corner or standing stationary. That's, like, that was the biggest shit, misconception if, of his rookie season. They were like, well, he was just a floor spacer for Rose. Rose actually deferred to him a lot, right? They played together. Um, I mean, if you, if, you, if you go back to last season, I'll try and find this quote, but it was like, early last season, there was this press guy, I, I forgot who they played, but it was like, you know, Quick, Quick had a good game, and the entire bench had a good game. It was like Quick and Burks and Rose, whatever. And they, I think Burks, he did one of his extremely rare uh, press conferences, um, and they asked him something about quickly, and he's just like, you know, like he's he's gotten to the point where it's like there are times where we just know he has it going, and we can just throw him the ball and like go do his thing. And it's like, like uh, one, <laughs> I I would prefer if like we did a little bit more than just like yo go cook, bro. Like it's your time. Like go get a bucket for me, but. But it's 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 what you're talking about, where it's like he was he's clearly more than just a guy that spaces. And it's like, and it's the thing is this, right? He was the criticism of him, fair or unfair, has been that he's um, streaky, right? Um, But what I think has happened is now, like last night, he was on fire, right, for most of the game. But he wasn't. Like, when's the last time quickly's really gotten to take a heat check? Um, He hasn't, right? Um, And yesterday he he had 23 points. He only took. He took 14 shots, right? Um, in 42 minutes, when he had 23 points, nine for four. Like, there's probably more of an opportunity for him to shoot, especially on a night where. So I, I don't. I didn't hate Randall's shooting numbers. Aren't great. I didn't hate his shot selection yesterday. Um, if anything, like I think the worst plays were late. He he had that um, four on three, and he just forced the ball to uh, Mitch when he probably should have just taken the shot. But um, you know, I, I thought Randall's process, but like, why is quickly why is quickly on a night like that? not taking pull-up threes, right? Not launching the ball in transition, not having some stuff run for him. Because here's the thing. You say, well, we don't want him to shoot when he's having an off night. But now you're saying we're just not going to have him shoot at all recklessly. That means even when he's having a good night, it gets capped to like, oh, it's a solid game instead of, um, you know, like where he could really blow up. And you can also say, well, Brunson had 44 last night. He had it going. I don't know. I think there's more of an opportunity when quickly he's really feeling it to to lean into that more, especially if you do think he's streaky, you know? I mean, and, and he has been streaky, but I think the best thing that you're seeing uh, with him, with the starters, is, like, he's been consistent. And maybe that speaks to, like, he is, um, yes, he can be your lead bench creator or whatever, but there's an inherent streakiness to him in that role, at least at this point in his career. But when you put him alongside other guys that are capable of creating offense, um, I think in that context, and, and but you're still able to give him on-ball reps, he shows you that like that is a context where now he can be more consistent. I mean, I, I'll, I'll pull it up, but I looked it up the other day, but like he, he's, again, grading out really, really well as a pick-and-roll scorer. Um, so if you go to NBA. He's probably uh, shooting 49% on twos for the year on uh, 5.3 attempts per game. So. He hasn't gotten better at anything those days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so if you go to nearly a three to one assist turnover ratio, too. By the way, yeah, yeah. Uh, so this, I I know that a lot of people will be very surprised by this. He uh, he had he's in the seventy seventh percentile of pick and roll finishers um, as a pick and roll ball handler. That's better than Jalen Brunson, actually. He also gets to the line more on Much those. Much smaller sample than Brunson, but yeah, so. 
Uh, I mean, it's it's a small sample, but smaller than Brunson. Right? Brunson not... runs that at volume. So, like, I, I mean, do you think he's a better pick and roll player than Jalen Brunson? I think there's things he does better than pick and roll than Jalen Brunson. Passing, right? Passing. I think that he is he's much better at drawing fouls than Brunson. I mean, this the thing is, this is not out of whack for him. Last year, he was 78th percentile uh, as a rookie. He was in the 78th percentile. Like, I think he's, he's a better really pick and roll player than than. RJ, like when R- he's a much better pick and roll player than RJ, he's a much he, he he's yeah. I mean, look, if you want to say Brunson's better because of the volume that he can do and, and he can I, get to I'm a not, certain shot look, anytime he wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that stuff is for sure true. I but the point is like this is his third year now where he's grading out really well as a pick and roll ball handler and and so I, th- I think the takeaway for that for me is um you know like I think that when RJ is playing with the bench and maybe this will be. When RJ's playing with the bench, I think quickly should still be running point and they should be running a lot of quickly pick and roll. And when they, they should be getting RJ involved, but off of that side action where RJ really is deadly next to pick quickly is they do an empty side. Um, and they just run a screen. They, they have, um, Sims set a down screen for him or Sims or Hartenstein. RJ gets the ball on the move, curling around. Um, he usually has a pretty easy alley oop read. They've hit Sims for easy alley oops there. Um, he can get to an easy mid-range jumper, or he can just get to the rim. Those are the. That's how I would use RJ. But I would still. You have to keep quickly pick and rolls as a fixture for that unit. And I'd say even if Randall is babysitting that unit, you probably want to run a lot of quickly pick and rolls because, um, you know, especially when Randall actually pops. Or this is another thing I talked about. But a lot of the times, especially with quickly, they run a pick and roll, and then Randall just sets up for the post up. I'm not going to hate on him this year for doing that because he's been effective. But we saw at the end of, I forget which game, I don't know if it was Toronto or the game before that, we see that teams are starting, I think it was the Toronto game, teams are starting to sit on that and either poke the ball away or force him to catch it farther out. And they're overplaying that um, that post-up. And the easy thing is to do is just slip that screen, right? Um, and um, and so you, but that's a bit of a tangent. The point I'm making is that unless Brunson is on the floor, you really should be going to, and even, even then, you should probably be running a little bit more pick and roll with quickly than the Knicks have been. Um, like, I don't think he should have an 18 usage at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, but before we continue, the NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wildcard round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you get a free bet back up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPN. Customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with, t- with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, I, but hey, look, not here. So uh, that's that's the uh, you know not not all of us have home field advantage in a buy. Um, must yeah. I wonder what that's like. Yeah, I. Not all of us get to face Andy yeah, Reid in a in a, um, in a playoff game on the way to the Super Bowl. So. Be uh, be thankful for that. 
Uh, not thankful for that <laughs> at all because you also don't have to play Patrick Mahomes. So um, we have to play Brock Purdy, anyway, sir. I just, Brock Purdy, maybe. <laughs> yeah, he's perhaps. Uh, but don't worry. Uh, if the Niners get up by 15 points, they'll blow the lead because Kyle Shannon will just run three cloud, three yards in a cloud of dust offense and try to milk away the clock. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm. I still think like this team is good. They're probably at minimum going to be a playing team. It's just really frustrating because like they're. I think they're a half their game now behind the Pacers. They're better than the Pacers, man. They are a better team than the Pacers, and all the metrics are screaming they're a better team than the Pacers. But the Pacers like, have Tyrese Halliburton, and he's like an All NBA, uh, All World point guard. He's a real point guard, Schwinn. Brunson is just a scoring yeah, guard. And, and and you're right, by the way. This this was from Nick's Muse that tweet. The Knicks are five and six in their last eleven games. Their point differential is plus fifty three. Um, which look, I don't want to get into the look. It is what it is. That, that those are just the facts, and you can take that however you want to take it. Um, I'm they should be much better than five and six in their last eleven games. And and I think that's actually very telling because they've missed Brunson for a lot of that time. They missed Brunson and RJ together for a bunch of that time. Obi's barely played. Uh, Obi's barely played. Like this team. I'll just whatever it doesn't really matter. It's not like I'm going to go viral here. Uh, I think there's potential for this team to go on a massive run the second half of the year. Uh, but, I mean, but part I'm of that, saying... part of that also, you have to believe that five and six and plus fifty three is randomness, right? This is also what Frank Barron said in his tweet that um, you know, like in theory, when people talk about Pythagorean win expectation, the assumption is that these close games, there's a lot of luck involved. And we've seen it for two years, and yeah. we've seen some patterns. And maybe that's maybe that's confirmation bias for us, right? If we look to say, why are we losing all these close games, and we look for things that Tibbs is fucking up, maybe there's some bias there. I don't know. But it's it's not like you want to say it's luck, and it's poor luck that the Knicks have had, and they're not going to shoot poorly from free throw and all of this as bad and all that. But it's happened for, for multiple years now. You know, and they, and they lost, I, I don't, 2020, 2021, I think they were a little bit better in close games, but I still think they probably underperformed their expectation there in those close games. I think they, they played to, they played to the Pythagorean that year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So maybe, maybe, so I don't, I don't know if you, if you were to convince me that these last few games were purely luck that they've lost, um, I'd be willing, I, I think that the talent to go on a run. Yeah. I think if you, if they really get creative, I'm not so sure. You just said it, right? Cleveland has talent, but Mobley isn't a great offensive player yet. Uh, I think. I think that. I think if the Knicks, I will say, like, I think Cleveland is the matchup I want most. Uh, as much as I the would media love to play Cleveland, would fucking the... be nauseating yeah. with us playing Donovan Mitchell. Like, I think that's the matchup I want most. I would like that matchup the most. I also just think the things that, if you're going to be honest about Tibbs, if anybody's going to be honest about Tibbs. We can agree that there's value to his, let's call it consistency, to be generous, his consistency in the regular season in terms of, you know, accumulating wins and stockpiling wins or whatever. I think, again, if anybody's being honest, his consistency, rigidity, however you want to phrase it, is problematic in the playoffs. Uh, We saw that when we played the Hawks, and I think that would be a problem against most opponents we'd see in the playoffs. Uh, Maybe not Philly because Doc is also pretty stubborn. Um, but, like, I, I, that's the piece that worries me. But I 
just pure like matchup wise, talent wise, whatever. I do think we match up well with Cleveland, and I wouldn't be scared of playing them. I would actually look forward to that matchup. Yeah, um, and that's where the rigidity. That's why I said they have to be a little bit creative. Um, if they're going to play two bigs a lot, for example, a creative team would try to to exploit that a little bit more, right? Maybe you do play a RJ at the four. I think that would be a good, or unless Obi is really shooting the lights out. Um, you know, those are the kind of things I'd like to see from Tibbs where. Yeah, they have a talent advantage, but it's not so big. It's um, it's 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 going like going back to you know, uh, two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen. You mentioned Woodson before. Do I think the Pacers were as good as the Knicks? Yeah, I think it was a very evenly matched series. Pacers might have been a little. Paul George was really playing at his peak, and you could, he was at at least at Melo's level, maybe a little bit better. Uh, and Tyson Chandler was a shell of himself. I don't know if he's hurt or what. But those are the, the what turns those kinds of series is the kind of adjustment like pay, playing Copeland at the five, right? Or maybe not. But it's it's having an ace in your hole, and that's why. Or maybe maybe it's playing you know Kmart at three. <laughs> um, but um, you know, like I just think um, I, I'd like to see that from Tibbs. That's that's. Like so, that's why, yeah. Like Cleveland is who we match up with best, but I think there's there's ways to take advantage of Cleveland that I don't know that we'll go to. But but you know that's a little bit of a tangent. But on the on the note of rigidity, that is what would worry me in that series, and certainly against Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean Brooklyn, I'm that would be a terrible matchup for us. They just have, it's not even like the Kyrie is. You know, he'll do his own thing. But he's like, playing the best basketball of his career, like, which is nuts. But yeah, yeah, I'm a little bit apprehensive about saying that but uh even regardless of that like we just have nobody we don't have the wings that can like give him an issue Um, but what i was gonna say is that like yeah um what i was gonna say is that like there's a little bit of like last year's boston to this team i don't think we have the top end talent that that team had in terms of tatum and brown um but like that was a team that was hovering around 500 basically at the same point of the season you know, I mean, we beat them. There's that RJ game winner we all remember basically at this point in the season. And I forgot what, I think they might have dropped like 19 and 20 or whatever the fuck they were. They were basically a 500 team. And then all of a sudden they go nuts in the second half of the season. I think they closed like 30 and 10. Um, but like, will the Knicks go on a 30 and 10 run? I don't know. I, you know, you should never bet on a team, any team going on a 30 and 10 run. Um, but like, look, I, I, you can look at any metric you want, any advanced metric, any of them, all of them, net rating, offensive rating, defensive rating, like all of them are screaming. This team is is legitimately good. Not like oh, they're a cute story. Oh, it's so nice they're going to make a plan. But like, no, this team is like legitimately good. I mean, and... are they worse than those Raptors teams that were like the four seed and LeBron fodder? Um, no, but the league is also just better now. Like the this is, and and I guess this is a, like if if you were to push back on like some of the stuff we're saying about you know um, are, the Knicks are so talented and they're underperforming actually, I think if you were to push back on it, it would just be like I mean you look around the league every single night and there's just weird I mean not weird but it's like you're like people like for example right the Bulls are like this you know we've talked about this but it's like they have no future and what the fuck are they doing and blah 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 but it's like they are kind of an embarrassment, right? Air quotes there, but it's like they're 19 and 22 or something. Like they're not terrible. Like you, you, there's very few games, right, where you're going to play a team and you're just like, well, this team is fucking terrible. It's, it's just not there. Like 
obviously you've got like your Houston's, your Charlotte's, and whatever. Yeah, but like, team like Orlando, like they're not a fun team to play against. Orlando's not. I I would I hate playing them. They're all you just play like these mutants who are all like fifteen feet tall, and then they, and they're and inconsistent then they have, because like, they're young. But when they have it going, they can beat anybody. You know. Yeah, their team is just like a bunch of mutants, and then like Cole Anthony. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I like Markel Fultz too. Um, yeah, I like Fultz, but I mean, Fultz is bigger, right? He fits kind of like their whole, we're all giants. Thing. Yeah, uh, Bull Bulls with a wonderful story there. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you look at, there's really only two bad teams in the East. The Pistons play hard. Um, and They've been pretty frisky lately. Killian's playing, I'm happy for him. He's turned it around. Yeah, the, aside from shitting on everyone in the group chat who, who gets excited about Killian Hayes. but. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's like, I just don't understand it. It's like, guys, relax. He doesn't even play for the Knicks. Um, and then, yeah, you have the Rockets. And, I mean, the second worst team in the West, we just found out, is not, <laughs> you know, they beat us. And then the second game was awful, too. So, um, you know, and the third, the Thunder, 18-22, um, which is, you know, I, I wonder if at some point the Webby stuff gets too too much to ignore for them. But uh, it's a good league. Um but um, but you know, like I think that the Knicks, the Knicks should finish with the sixth seed. I think not finishing, having to go to the play-in, I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say that would be a failure. It would be a disappointment. Um, and I would say if they completely miss the playoffs, that is a failure. And by the way, the play-in isn't gonna be any picnic. Um, the eighth seed is the Heat. The ninth seed is the Hawks. Ten seed is the Bulls. We know the history the Knicks have with the Hawks in the pre in the postseason. The Hawks have made the play-in, and they show they show up well in those games. Uh, I'm personally not a fan of having to go against Eric Spolstra with Tom Thibodeau in a, a, a an elimination game. Um, and uh, and then you have the Bulls who, like, yeah, we always play them close. And, and they have, um, you know, DeRozan at the end of games is tough for the Knicks to handle. Um, so I, the, the moral of the story... And to be fair, he's, he's, he's tough for anybody to yeah. handle. Um, but the moral of the story is, you know, they, they shouldn't... They, ha- they should get the sixth seed. And I think Tim should be held to that standard. And I don't think talent is an excuse there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's 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 where I'm at. Where it's like, if this team doesn't at least make the fucking play in, they'll mean, make the play in. But I no, they have to make the playoffs yeah. one way or the other. And I think that they they should make it as a the top six seed is a fair expectation. Yeah, I I think so too. And like, are there limitations with the roster? Yeah, I think. I mean, we've talked about this endlessly. Where it's like, there are certain matchups where you see like the lack of wing depth and just general wing size is an issue. Um, but like every team has issues. Cleveland, look at their fucking wings; they all suck. Levert, Lamar Stevens, Okoro, Isaac. Yeah, like like you know, like they have issues too. Every team has issues. Boston, Boston, it doesn't. They're probably like the most complete roster in the East. Um, Brooklyn actually have pieced together a pretty com- complete roster, but like even with them, right? If Nick Claxton gets in trouble, who who's their backup five? KD, you know, like. Yeah, right, and he's out right now. We'll see. Uh, apparently, he he avoided a major injury, but we'll see what happens. Um, and even Milwaukee, like, look, they've it's actually really annoying how well we played them this year without getting yeah. a win. But like, like the, the, I don't think the, I, I'm actually pretty concerned about them. And like the middle, like yeah, Middleton will be back at some point, but like he hasn't looked good when he's played this year. Um, and he obviously missed the end of last year, missed a lot of the start of this year. Like I'm pretty worried about them, but the point is like every team has issues. So to use the issues that the Knicks have to just be like, well, you know, you just 
we really can't expect more. I think it's kind of bullshit. Like Toronto's always been a nightmare for us. But you watch them play, it's like, okay, they don't have a center and they have one guy who can dribble the ball. That seems like a problem. You know, like every team has issues. So I would say on on aggregate, the Knicks probably have less than a lot of their kind of peers in the in the conference at least. Yeah, and I mean, I think they're they have less ho- the the Pacers. I mean, Halliburton's playing well, and they just are loaded with shooters, right? Matherin's playing really. Matherin's been great for yeah, a rookie, but they, Miles is playing out of his fucking mind this year. At least shooting out of his but mind. They this have year, more I vulnerabilities. I think they're legitimately vulnerable on the glass against a team like the Knicks because Miles Turner isn't a great rebounder. Um, they, you know, they have some good wing defenders, but I think that you can attack Halliburton on defense. Um, you know, like Matherin has flashed really good defense, and I think one day he's going to be a maybe all NBA defensive level player, but he still makes mistakes too, right? So, um, you know, they, they have fewer holes in them. The Sixers, who knows what's going on with the wings? Um, you know, we'll see when Maxi gets back, but bench scoring is an issue for them. Um, the Cavs wings are an issue, and I think spacing could be an issue in, in the playoffs. Um, and, and those are all more glaring issues than the Knicks have, right? I think the Knicks don't have a six eight wing, and you would like them to have better spacing in the front court. Other than that, uh, and those are those are smaller issues than I think the ones that I mentioned. Now the Knicks also don't have the top end talent of, of any of those teams besides the Pacers, but you know it, it's there's just very few holes in this in this roster. If you know if you use character. Yeah, I mean, and I guess the the caveat we should include is like very few holes when they have their their best guys available. Like, and I know that there's been this weird like, well, Quickly is playing well and he's been really efficient. What does it say like about RJ? Are we better off with the RJ? And it's like, no, you're not better off with the RJ because you don't have now you're 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 robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? Like you're taking Quickly from the bench to fill in for RJ, but there's no RJ replacement. Like Deuce obviously hasn't been able to provide the same production yet. Um, Obi's been out. Like it, you need RJ and you need Obi probably too. And they really. I mean, need, yesterday you saw they it when really, they when Obi played, he came in, hit a three. I mean, he's still getting back into it, but you can see the spacing difference for the second unit when he plays. Yeah, for sure. And and ultimately, they they also just need to find a way to get Obi more involved. And it's kind of it's depressing or not? I don't know. Maybe not depressing, but it's not. It's kind of like sad because I feel like ultimately there's no future for Obi long term here with Randall being like what seems to be such a central piece of this team. But like for this season anyway, they really need Obi. Um and they need to get him going and they need to do more than just I mean he just stood in the corner. Yeah. He just stood in the corner the entire time he played yesterday. And maybe that's some of it is like like you mentioned, getting back into the game and all that kind of shit. But I just I mean, this is continues the trend we've seen from earlier in the season. Like they they got to find a way to get him going. Like I don't care what it is. Set run some of those double pick and rolls they were setting last year. I don't understand why they went away from that. Those sets were great. Um, they get Obi going downhill, and it's hard to key in on which guy you want to pick on. Especially like you run that with like Sims and Obi. Good luck. You know, have fun defending that one. But like they they just they have to get him involved. They got to. Uh, they really need the offensive juice that he gives and they just the team is like you can see like there are margins where they're just missing that extra little bit of firepower and i think that's where like rj being out and ob being out probably if you want to argue like like you mentioned earlier like is this just luck in the short term or is it 
a trend or is this a long-term issue? I would say, like, if you're going to argue the luck, it, it's more of a luck thing, then that's probably where you would argue it, right? Is that, like, you just don't have that little bit extra in those tight games. Um, and that's not to say, like, RJ would come in and close out the fourth quarters, but it's like, you know, you have those little stretches in the in the second quarter, the third quarter, where maybe... You put the team away, RJ, but yeah. Yeah, maybe RJ or OB can can give you a couple more points than than otherwise than than you would otherwise have. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I'm really I really hope RJ is back against the Pacers because you're gonna have to score against them, and I don't know if we have enough firepower without him. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and I think also, you know, the difference between when, when quickly is co-sharing with McBride. Um, I think McBride has been better as being like more of a connective piece, like attacking closeouts, doing some stuff. But RJ is clearly going to give you more of that, right? And if RJ can come back and, and get back to some of the playmaking that he was showing, uh, that second unit could be really dangerous. Um, so, I mean, the part of the second unit I'm actually kind of interested. I want to see how Tibbs manages this stuff. Is like he was he was obviously staggering RJ more to play with the bench, but I also really like seeing. Uh, Grimes gets some minutes with both quickly and and Deuce, and I would like to see a little bit more of that. Actually, you know, you could argue that that might even be, as we talked about, like it'd be nice to get Grimes use him a little bit more. Like maybe that's the way you do that, right? Like maybe those are the minutes where okay, like here's your chance. Like you're playing with quick. It's you two guys. You're gonna have to do most of the ball handling, creating. Give it a chance. Um, and and to me, and I actually think like. The spacing of the, the natural spacing of that lineup, like forget the gravity, forget their percentages, what all these guys are shooting. There's a natural spacing to those three guys playing together quickly, Deuce and Grimes, that I think opens things up for Obi. Um, so it would be really, all plus passes. I, I, right? um, they can find them in the post. They they all look to push the ball and throw the outlet passes. Um, Grimes is great at kind of attacking the closeout and doing the little. Um, reach around pass and all that. So, um, you know, these are, they're all plus passers. RJ is capable of being a plus passer. He's also capable of being a really bad passer. Uh, it depends on, on what his mindset is. But that was trending up before he left. Um, I think that's one thing this thing has that they didn't have in previous past. I mean, how many bad passers are really? Mitch had three assists and one turnover last night. That's not an isolated thing. He's been I mean, passing the ball kind of well. The worst passer. The like, worst passer might be and this isn't, You know, it. Yeah, I, I don't want to say it. And like, look, I don't want. That's not a knock on him. There's just a lot of good passers on this team. Yeah. I mean, I think it is a little bit of a knock on him. Not like not, I know you're not saying it to like. You're not saying it like that, but it is a little bit of a knock on him. There are times he just misses wide open shooters, and you let it go because that I still mean, turns I, into like a good attempt for him usually. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think. Like some of the usage, like we talked a lot about the usage, and Tibbs needs to get guys involved more. But like some of that is also those guys might get more usage if Brunson and Randall were better and quicker decision makers um, in terms of spraying it out when they get into the paint and they draw two to the ball or whatever. Like some of that is down to them as well. Um, so like, I mean, I, I I keep going back to that Dallas game that they blew, which was such a horrific loss. But like. I think if you played quickly a point, he used the full-time point instead of Jalen Brunson, like, would the team be as good? Probably not. But I also think there's a world where, like, they play just a totally different style with quickly a point. Like, you see way more, okay, they, they're pushing the pace, and 
he gets in the paint and he's spraying out to three point shooters. And like their three point rate in that game was crazy. I I, w- I I would love to actually go back. I'm gonna look it up right now, but I would venture to guess that those three games without Brunson were probably some of their highest three point rate games this entire season. Um, and it's just like you know, I'm not. That's not to say obviously that you're better. You're not better off without Brunson. Like it's the same concept that applies to. Oh, are we better with quickly instead of RJ? No, like you need all of these guys, but it's just interesting to like think about how how we'd play if we hadn't signed Brunson and quickly was the starting point guard. Like, you know, I, I, that part of it is in- interesting to me anyway. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you still need what Brunson gives you as a complete scorer. But uh, my larger point is just like connective passers really juice this offense. I think like Brunson is a big part of the reason they're top 10 in offensive rating, but Grimes' development, uh, like, you know, they're not playing anyone who's a, who's a bad passer anymore at this point, not even Mitch. Um, you know, the, at the four they played, um, you know, Cam's out of the rotation now. Um, not a great passer, although he had some flashes this season. I mean, last season... Uh, just, just, just for what it's worth, the three of their top seven uh, games this year in terms of three-point attempt rate were those three games without Brunson. So at Dallas, at Houston. At Houston is their number one for the season. Which uh, might have it to do then, with also Houston being the garbage defensive team, but yeah. For sure. But it's like at, the, at Dallas was their fourth highest three-point attempt rate game of the season, and then at San Antonio was their seventh uh, highest. So, I, I mean, I, again, there's there's no way to know this now, but I do think it's like Interesting to think about how stylistically the team would be different without Brunson. Yeah, and we'll see how that changes. I do like that he's been taking more pull-up threes himself. Yes. Um, I want Quickly to start doing that more. Um, and it, the fact that there was a season when Quickly did do that, now he just has. And, I mean, it could also be Quickly maybe more conscious of his field goal percentage. Maybe that's not a Tibbs thing, right? Maybe Quickly is more conscious of his field goal percentage going into a contract year. I don't know. Um, but, um, but I think, I think the larger point is, you know, I think, and I think that the front office has made a concerted effort to add more connective passers and strong passers, right? Um, Alec Burks was a, was a terrific player for the Knicks. That was his weakness. Um, like he's an average passer, even for a two, and that might be generous. He is a, he is a downhill guy who, if you collapse on him, can make a basic read, but he's not really a great passer. He's not definitely not a connective passer. Um, you know, Kemba didn't play and was washed, right? Uh, Fournier was a good passer last year, but, um, you know, it, it's it, you, you could see that, you know, even just replacing Burks with Grimes more, right, and quickly, and even Deuce, like, that is giving more ball movement, which makes up for the fact that they lost a pretty good score. So. Yeah, I mean, I, it's so funny, though, because when you're talking about, like, what is the kind of addition the Knicks could use at the deadline, it's Every time we talk about it, I'm just like, so we're basically describing Alec Burks. That's what we're doing. You think so? I, that's, um, well, so my ideal additions are a swing big and a wing. Well, I, I think he'd be the perfect wing, right? You want a wing that can knock down threes, that can defend multiple positions, and gives you a little bit of shot creation? I'd like a little more connected passing, and uh, I'd like more length than 6'6". Six, six. Pause. I would ideally, but it's like like I'd rather go for a guy like Jalen McDaniel's than Burks. Well, yeah, I mean we can't get Burks anyway, but like I would if we just had Burks on this team. I you think, think he's going to cost like a lot? 
No, we just can't do it. Like we're not allowed to because we oh. traded him, so you can't trade for him back within the same year. Um, so would you go for next summer though? What would you go for a guy like Lonnie Walker? I guess he's not big no, enough I'd to be a wing, like, And I also like like the thing. I just I just think all these young guys loved Burks, and I think they played well with him. He had good chemistry. Um, we know that Tibbs thought he was the greatest point guard of all time. Uh, I mean, that like, would I, I decrease think, quickly his minutes to like less than twenty. Well, that that's 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 a tips thing. That's not like a that's not a, that's not an argument against Burks. That's more of like an argument against tips, right? Because Burks and Quickly were fucking awesome together. I mean, I can pull it up right now, but I would venture to guess that their minutes together, going back to you know whatever twenty 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 one, were amazing. Uh, so Quickly with Burks. This is over two seasons, obviously they play together. Um, it's it's collating. Uh, they played eighteen hundred and eighty-two minutes together. Uh, hold on, it's still being weird. I don't know why it's doing this. Uh, let's try this again. All right. Uh, all right. Here we go. Eighteen hundred eighty-two minutes together. Quickly, 55 and a half true shooting. Burks, 57 true shooting. Uh, the team in those minutes was had a 115.1 offensive rating, and the defensive rating was 106.0. Yeah, and I would imagine it's better so, than, better last year than even 2021 because quickly made a yeah. huge leap on defense last year. Right? But the thing that we need to remember is that they only played against bench uh, <laughs> bench lineups in all those minutes. So, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I get what you're saying. Like, there's a archetype preference, and I do agree that they're like the archetype preference would be nice. But man, if we had Burks on this team and we could just trust Tibbs to like not be insane with him, he'd be like, I genuinely would be, I would be saying some crazy things about what, what this team could do if we did that, if we had them. So, because I think he was fucking awesome and he was he's exactly i think there's a i would bet his three-point shooting would vault us up to like league average as a team if we had it yeah um i, I also think there's some randomness there i expect quickly shooting 33 percent from three i expect that to go up deuce is not a 28 percent three-point shooter period like if he continues to get minutes his percentage will t- pick up to close to league average um and um, and the rest of the guys are shooting. Pre- Grimes is back up to thirty. Remember how bad Grimes was early in the year shooting the ball, thirty eight percent from three on. I think higher volume even than last year. Um, yeah. So so they're in a good spot. So in terms of kind of the guys, so do you think um, at what point would they be close enough to making some noise where you might say, you know what, if it takes maybe all of the three protected picks we have, um. You know, but at what point do you start to say, you know, maybe not all in and certainly not trading any of the core guys, but make an offer that's going to like for OG and Anobi that, that that could win? Or do you think that's just we're still not even at a place where we can talk about that? I mean, the OG thing is always so weird, though, to me, because it's like if you're trading for OG, who is he? You're not trading for him to come off the bench. Right, and you like, don't think that the spacing would be good if he replaces Grimes in the starting lineup. But let, let's forget even that. Like, are is it good? Does it make sense to bench Grimes 
especially since the starting lineup has actually been really good, does it like is does it make sense to to change things around in that group for a player of OG Ananobi's caliber? That's what I think is. The if you have an All NBA defender like, not, who can knock down an open three, and it also gives you against a team like Milwaukee or a team like uh, like Brooklyn, or, or I mean, here's the thing: if we have to play Boston, right? Having two long defensive wings to match up with them is, is kind of standard. And as good as Grimes is, I don't like he's going to be a little bit undersized in that matchup. Having more depth and more options of that position is probably something we need to like make a run. It it is, but I also think it's a it's like there you need to do it in a very particular way. Like I don't know how to explain this, but so like if you like. You can bench Grimes to me for like I don't know. I'm just trying to think. If you if, if for whatever reason like the Suns decided we want to trade Devin Booker, you can bench Grimes for Devin Booker, right? And I know there will people be like, well, what if you benched RJ for OG and an OB or whatever? Like that's not going to happen. Like it, it, it's not even worth discussing because it's literally not going to happen. Um, and I'm also not very interested in trading RJ for OG and an OB. I don't think that is a very smart deal either. Especially because OG is going to be a free agent at the end of next season, you're going to have to pay him a shit ton of money. Like, I don't, I don't like the value proposition there. Um, but like, to me, this team, if they can get a Jalen McDaniel's right for like a relatively cheap cost or something, or you know, not Burks because we can't trade for him, but like some Burks caliber level wing just for this season, I would do that, and I'm fine with that. But like, I think they need to look at getting. That the type of wings you're describing, that to me is a, a draft thing. They need to go get those guys in the draft, and they need to develop them. And but that, that's and if and if those guys become better than Grimes, and you like that to me is what you need to do. I am not into trading for like. I think it's different if you trade for OG and then you bench Grimes. I, I don't know something and if you about that like Jay Howard or something, and he just outplays Grimes. Uh, yeah, I just I I don't like the process of like benching a guy who's been really good for you as a starter by getting like un, like I know like OG's been playing really well this year. He's not a star. He's never going to be a star for a non-star player. Um I don't like I I think that's there's potential where like if you're a guy like Quentin Grimes and look, these kids have shown that they're resilient, they're really good pros and they they just do the work and like so maybe I'm totally wrong on this. But I, I don't like the message that sends to him, and I don't. I think there's like potential where you kind of. I don't want to say you lose him, but lose him like mentally. I mean, but like, there's potential for him to be kind of jaded, right, by that. Whereas, like, if it was Devin Booker, I don't think he would be like, "Oh my god, how can you bench me for Devin Booker?" Maybe. Um, so the two things. So there's a couple things I would say there. Number one, um, that bench unit would be awesome. Quickly and Grimes are playing all of those minutes together with Obi. Um, the other thing I would say is, you know, Grimes also doesn't have the financial security. Grimes is playing for his next contract, right? Not yet, but like it's coming. So if you had given a guy financial security, let's say you didn't want to bench Grimes for the message you would send, but if there was a guy on the roster who would get a financial security, who you want playing a lot of minutes with the bench because you know, he doesn't fit in maybe with one or two guys in the starting lineup. And again, he's been paid $100 million, and he plays a position that OG Ananobi could play. What about moving him to the bench? 
All right, can you can you repeat that? Yeah, what about moving RJ to the bench? Because he has financial security. Um, he, you know, because they they paid him his contract, so that, that's not a worry the, same, the way it is with Grimes. Uh, he does. He's not a great fit with Randall and or Brunson in that starting lineup. Uh, you probably want him more playing with the bench, no matter what. You know, what about that? You know, having RJ become like a super sub next to Pickley. I mean, is that it's not realistic though? You don't think they would do that because it would cause a problem with RJ or because? Yeah, hundred percent, it's going to cause a problem for RJ. Hey, we paid you one hundred and six million, but we want you to come off the bench. But he's still going to get twenty five minutes, thirty minutes. It's it's not the same thing, and you know that. Like, I don't care. This is the thing, people. Like, when you're a start, once you're a starter, and I actually wonder this sometimes if this is why they didn't want to start quickly. Because it's like it's hard to. Well, Captain Pearl always says that, right? Like that the reason they didn't yeah. um, start quickly was because if they had to move him back to the bench, then it would cause a uh, ego issue, or whatever. Yeah, and maybe he's right. I don't know. Um, but like, I don't. I, I just. I think that would be. It's not. It's not feasible. Like they're just not going to do it. You're not going to be like, hey, RJ, we've started for what is it, three and a half years now. We're going to move you to the bench for. Yeah. I, I tend to agree. I think I, if it if it was a move you thought put the Knicks if they make that move, do you think that puts the Knicks over the top? Because I think it makes them a pretty damn good team. If you're if you if you uh, add RJ, what do you mean by over the top? Like we have a legitimate shot to beat Boston or anyone in the East. Uh, no, I still don't think we have a chance. You don't have, we don't have a chance. I don't think we have a okay. chance. I only, I just think Boston's because I think good. that's what the question. If you, if that could put you over the top, I would say suck it up, RJ or Grimes, whoever it is. This you're you're by we're adding you to the bench to give it that way, and that bench is going to be way better than it has been. And now our our starting lineup can match up with anyone. But uh, but if you don't think that it puts you over the top, then that makes sense. Uh, the other question I wanted to ask, and we can talk about the draft in a second, but what makes you think Jaden McDaniel's or Jalen McDaniel's? Excuse me. Is available. I mean, there was it, for cheap. There was a report. Like, why would Charlotte want to there, give I mean, up a guy who's ten points, averaging ten points a game, pretty good defender, six nine, shooting close to forty percent from three? What do they want to pay him? I mean, does, does Charlotte even know what the fuck? They're doing? If you're going to pay someone, he might as well be it, right? I mean, you already paid Rozier. You're going to have to pay Lamella. When is Rozier's contract? Who the hell knows what they're doing? When is Rozier's contract though? They extended him after last season, so why? You know, pay decent <laughs> oh, God. Get, get a good shooting season. Um, yeah, but oh, God. it's. I mean, look, I, they still have the Hayward money. How much is Kelly Oubre making? He's going to get traded, but yeah, he's making twelve million. But he he's expiring anyway. I think that. Um, I think that there was also. I mean, this was disgusting, but there was that report that like they were talking to Miles Bridges and like coming closer to an agreement. This was going back like a month or something. Um, who the hell knows what they're going to do with P.J. Washington? I mean, they might have to pay book night down the line. <laughs> uh, um, he's not even playing, dude. That's like, if the Knicks didn't have a million guards, I wouldn't mind that as a buy-low opportunity. Like, That's just because you're a UConn boy at heart. Not a UConn boy at all, I just think. Uh, <laughs> although, like, that is such a thing, right? The UConn second year Shooting guard jump. Um, like they had yeah, Lamb, yeah. they had Book Knight. Now, I don't, you probably aren't following, but there's a guy named Jordan Hawkins who's uh, playing really well. He's 6'5, can shoot a lot. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, 
I guess the only way it makes sense for them is if they're trying to get off Hayward's contract. But like Jalen McDaniels is the kind of guy you lock up. I would pay him. Heck, I mean, I don't know what the market is for him is going to be, but he's quietly pretty damn good. Like if the, if we could get him for a second in Cam, like why would the Hornets do that? Now if you're saying they would do that to get off Hayward's money, fine. Well, what if they, what if they like Cam better as a prospect? Isn't that reasonable? I, I think that's a very unreasonable evaluation. Like why would Jalen McDaniels it, is what you want it, Cam to be? Like, but he actually has done but that. But Jalen Jalen McDaniels is how old is he? He's like twenty five. Yeah, Cam is what twenty three. Yeah, twenty three. Jalen McDaniels is actually twenty four, so he's younger than I even thought. Um, I thought he was an older guy coming in. That's so weird. Anyway, um, look, I, I don't know. I just know that they're, they've talked to teams. They talked to the Suns about it. That was reported this Which morning. also the trade that uh, they're proposing. I mean, they said a three-way trade with Crowder, but it's like, I, I also don't, like, who, like, like what, what, would, what does Charlotte need? They're a rebuilding shitty team. Um, they need draft capital. Or they need good young players. That's what Jalen McDaniels is. I mean, look, I, if they wanted to keep him, totally understand. I just think that they, they're stupid, and they don't have a plan, and I think you can capitalize on that. I would love to see it, and especially if it's... I, would, I wouldn't mind taking Hayward, period. Right? I think we both talked about this. If healthy, he's a good player. Um, he, he, I mean, there's enough dead salary that you are got around on the, on, the, uh, on the team, right? That, like, if you convert some... If you turn your dead salary into... Gordon Hayward, even if he becomes dead salary because he gets injured, like it doesn't really hurt you. That when much. is his contract? After next year, it ends. At, yeah, it ends after next year. So, so Forney like, has the same contract, and then Rose is expiring this year, right? Yeah, right. So if if you're just like, hey, look, you can save a little bit of money for next year. Just give us Hayward, and you take Forney, and in. we get. But we, they would they attach that. McDaniel's to make that happen. I, I think could. I mean, could you do Rose and Fournier for McDaniel's and Hayward? Throw in Cam if they want, or like a second if they want. I mean, like I still think that's a bad deal for them. But if they really are desperate to save money next year, yeah, I mean, I would do that. I would definitely do that. That'd be awesome. But like, then, but see, like this is this is where like having Tibbs is so weird, right? Because you're going to be like, is Tibbs going to be able to manage that? Like, is his brain is his brain going to like explode if you're like we added two wings that probably should get rotation minutes, like? No, what do you do? My rotation is perfect. I can't. We can't. Well, do I this. think Hayward probably will not mind coming off the bench. That's fair to say. No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Yeah. So then you have the same starting five, and now your bench. I mean, think about this bench unit when healthy. Um, quickly, Hayward. I think Hayward can play the two. Right. That shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Hayward quickly, McDaniel's OB, and a big like that's a <laughs> that's your second lineup. Like that could yeah. turn up. I mean. Like, okay, that's not as good as OG and Anobi, but we just added, like, if Hayward's health is the issue, but if Hayward's healthy in a playoff series, he probably will close over Grimes a lot, which I'm totally fine with, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and then you have, I mean, yeah, like, think about your late-game offense with Hayward, Randall, and um, and Brunson. And if there's one thing that, everyone's thought about Grimes' defense, but one thing he's really added is that connective piece. That's what's, I think, helped Randall get going a little bit more of late. Well, who's a better connective passer than Gordon Hayward, right? So, yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. So, um, all right, I think that's a good place to end it. Unless you have anything else you wanted to discuss? No. I, oh, sorry, okay. I'll add one other thing. Be mindful on the draft that um, the Knicks may be playing themselves out of the range of some of the wings that we've talked about. 
there's a lot of good six seven six eight wings who can score at three levels, do stuff. Uh, and right now the Knicks are close to twenty, and the Mavs are pretty good. So um, a lot of those guys now, and a lot of those guys have moved up, right? Grady Dick, Jenna Howard, Maxwell Lewis are guys who were mocked in the late teens earlier. Now they're they all look like lottery picks. It, so what you're saying is that Scoot Henderson might fall down. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but um, but we can't draft Scoot because we have Brunson. Like they just can't. I'm saying it. I'm a little. Bit, I think that what they'll <laughs> what they'll have. The, we, no, it's not because of Brunson. It's because of Deuce uh, and, and Rokas Yokubaitis. <laughs> um, it, it's um. What I'm saying is, I was pretty confident that Knicks could just they were just going to have their pick of like a good wing, like somebody really good was going to fall to them, like. And not just like a six six guy, guy, but like a six eight, three level scorer type who could defend. Now I'm less confident of that. I still think they can get. There's like a few. The guys in their range that are interesting are like four or five hybrid, versatile types who can like block shots, stretch the floor, and pass a little bit. But I don't know if those are Walt Perrin picks, and I also don't know if Tibbs would use them properly. Um, but uh, and it's something to monitor, and I wonder if that would play into their thinking. I don't know how front offices look forward to the draft when thinking about free agent acquisitions. But the fact that you mentioned that you'd rather get that kind of guy through the draft made me think of that, that that may be less of a slam dunk than it looked like about a month ago. Interesting. It's definitely something to be mindful of. Um, all right. Well, that is our pod for today. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Stacy, let people know where they can find you and plug anything you'd like to plug. Um, find me at Stacy Patton 89. Um, uh, for those who follow me on the other podcasts, I do believe Knicks, or even if you don't, but would be interested in a crossover before the Wizards game um, on Friday with uh, Matt Moderno of Believe Wizards. So um, we'll, uh, that should be a lot of fun and uh, encourage you to watch it and get some info on what's going on there, including a, a former Nick or two. So Awesome. Uh, I have nothing to plug, so I'm just going to plug all the work at the Strickland. Check it all out. Podcasts, YouTube, the works, it's all there. That is our pop today. Everybody has a great week, and I will see you on Friday. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.